This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. The holiday season is always a great time filled with friends, family, reflections of the past year, and always good food. So today on the show, we'll look at some of the most popular holiday party foods and how you can add them to your next holiday gathering. We'll talk about tasty desserts, tiny finger foods, and of course, tasty beverages. And we're always looking for your holiday recipe so you can join in the conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show food at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> Also, if you need suggestions uh, for something to liven up your holiday party, uh, you can give us a call. If not, uh, as we said, your favorite holiday recipe, uh, call us up and let us know what that is, what you like to eat this time of year. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin. I have had an amazing weekend. I went uh, went to the flea market this weekend, and um, I've been to three flea markets in the last several weeks, and I guess I've decided to start collecting... Um, Santa figurines, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but I like ones that are a little bit taller. The ones I have are at least, you know, probably 12 to 18 inches tall. Wow. Uh, But I decided that since I can't really do a Christmas tree due to the fact that my cat likes to knock things (laughs) off the tree, uh, that I would start collecting these and and just, you know, have happened to come across three of them so far. One of them is probably, oh, almost as old as I am, and it's an electric thing, and so it, it doesn't quite work anymore. It's, it's Santa has he's holding a candle and his arms are supposed to open and close. And when you turn it on, he gets like one revolution done and then he just starts shaking. So <laughs> uh, but, sounds like a bad day, but we'll <laughs> talk about that later. But we're talking about the weekend, Kevin. I absolutely love the idea of collecting Santa Claus. I think that they're beautiful because there are so many different um you know, renditions of Santa mm-hmm. from all over, not just the you know U.S., but mm-hmm. all over the world. So you can end up with the, such a beautiful collection. And it's one of my favorite times of year because not only is it, you know, the holidays and Christmas, but it's also my birthday. So I partied like it was 1999 <laughs> this weekend, Kevin. Um, my birthday was on Saturday, and I had an absolute bl- blast, and I'm going to celebrate until after the first of the year. So. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about your, what you brought in today. And again, you know, I, I say this a lot because it's true, but I'm always impressed by the visual of your food. I mean, the food tastes good, but you always do so well on the visual presentation. And I know one of the things that you like to do uh, because you, you like to use it in the kitchen is is to use uh, a skillet as a not only a cooking vessel, but a serving utensil as well. So tell us what you brought in today. Well. Cast iron skillets, you know, Kevin, really to me just can make the table, especially, you know, being a Southern cook, just absolutely extraordinary because you can dress them up or you can dress them down. It's like um, having that perfect dress, you know. But today I brought in a Cornish hen with a rice dressing. And this rice dressing, Kevin, is really extraordinary because it's so many different pops of flavor in there. We used the basmati rice, and then we tossed in some cranberries, some green onions, some um, fresh celery that's finely, finely chopped, and there's also some grated uh, grapefruit in there. Then you get some, uh, there's bites of raisins and walnuts that are tossed into this basmati rice. 
And then you just simply, um, you know, after you finish, uh, in this case, I both braised and baked uh, the Cornish hen. And then you just kind of, you know, put it in the center. And then there's these beautiful baked apples uh, that just kind of surrounds it. And then, you know, we've got a, you know, a little greenery to make it pretty. So it's really pretty. It's really simple. And it's a great way to do something a little bit different than the traditional dressing, you know, for the Christmas holidays. Um, weren't there also some cranberries in there? Yeah. Yeah. And I've decided, you know, <clears throat> I don't think I like cranberry juice. It's a little little tart for me. But I've really enjoyed uh, when I do my um, oatmeal in the morning, I like putting uh, the cran... Craisins. Is, craisins in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, to me, cran- cranberries uh, just add a nice... There, It's a nice color and a nice little bit of a flavor. But also to me, the apples are really nice. And that's... I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this with fruit, but that's kind of the versatile thing about fruit is it can be, you know, a snack or whatever. You can use it in desserts. But also it can go... Uh, and really pair well with with savory dishes like uh, like the uh, dressing that you made. Oh, absolutely! You know, to to be able to add fruit to a bite of a savory dish is just always that, especially if there if you've got a uh, it's heat, you know, on your particular uh, protein that you're serving, and then you've got the sweetness from a fruit. It can just really send your um, your s- palate over the top. Those sensations that you get can just be incredible, and it makes for a beautiful uh, visual appeal, you know, because fruits come in these this bright rainbow array mm-hmm. of colors. And so you get to add that to your dish to just kind of give you those pops of color that's just going to make it outstanding. And I, I don't know which kind of apple you use, but the other thing I like is that <clears throat> it's not quite as crisp as a raw apple, obviously, uh, but there's still some texture there, some crispness to, again, add to the different sort of textures that you get while you're eating the, the, the meal. So I used Honeycrisp apples today, and uh, right before I took the Cornish hens out of the oven, I placed my uh, sliced apples into the dish, into the same dish, and just finished under the broiler for just a few minutes to kind of soften them up a little bit. So you're right, you still have this really wonderful bite, but the texture slightly changed. The color is really beautiful, and it just adds such a wonderful bite when you get the bite of rice and the bite of chicken and that sweetness from the apple all together. It's just amazing. So you mentioned it's uh, basmati rice. Uh, If you would, maybe tell us a little bit about that and and why you like uh, cooking with that. Well, basmati rice is an Indian rice, Kevin, uh, but I like it. It's it's jasmine or basmati are two of my favorite rices, but I like the basmati because it's such a tiny grain of rice. And it's when it's cooked perfectly, when it's cooked right, the bite is just incredible. The secret to making a good basmati rice, of course, is pre-rinsing uh, before you actually start to cook it. And so basically what you want to do is you want to take about a cup, cup and a half of basmati rice, and you want to put it into a bowl, cover it with about an inch of water, and simply take your hands and swirl it. And you'll notice that the starch is rising up. Rinse it and do that about four or five times until your water is really clear. And then cook your rice. It only takes a few minutes to cook your basmati rice. And you end up with a wonderful, wonderful bite of rice. And so uh, that getting some of the starch off there prevents it from being as sticky, I guess. Yeah, if you, because if you cook basmati rice before you rinse it, you're just going to end up with a pot full of starch, and you don't want to do that. And so you want to go ahead and just rinse it uh, before you start. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I, I've done the thing where, you know, you you cook rice and then it, it gets to be almost like, like, glue, <laughs> like glue sometimes. Yeah, so giving it a good rinse is always, you know, it's a wonderful thing to do before you start to cook it. Yeah. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Cornish game hen. Um, and again, I I think you know we like small things. I think that we like kittens, puppies, babies. You know, <laughs> and so cute. I don't know if that's the right word for food, but you're used to seeing this big chicken, and then when you see the hen, it it's cute. Yeah, it is. A, it's visually, it's absolutely a, a stunning because it is, a, you know, such a small bird. Uh, that in the quail uh, is also one of those birds that are just really tiny, but can really have a great impact, especially during the holidays. Uh, with the Cornish hens, you, you know, you could cook up eight or ten of those uh, and, you know, serve them really beautifully on your table, opposed to just having that one a uh, 15, 20 pound bird that's sitting there. Uh, they're easier to cook. Uh, and, you know, you can just simply um, just, you know, cut them down the center, uh, taking out the backbone, you know, making them flat. And then once they're done, you can then cut them in half and then have many, many portions to serve your guests opposed to trying to figure out, you know, how to properly carve a bird. It just makes life a lot easier. And then, you know, it's one of those uh, birds where, like, I grew up in a house full of boys. It's perfect for them because they can eat the whole thing. And uh, (laughs) so it just works really well. And so uh, then I guess depending on who you're serving, maybe a half of a a hen or an entire one per person when you're trying to figure out how much to cook. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Normally what I do if I'm going to have a lot of guests, Kevin, I will just go ahead and half the bird. Uh, And that way, you know, because that's really a really nice portion of the bird and it's you know it's a beautiful bite and that usually will satisfy your guests but you know i have a brother who's six six um you know he works out three times a day he wakes up hungry he goes to sleep hungry so you know you might you might want to throw two of those on his plate (laughs) and other than that though you just kind of treat it like a a chicken in terms of preparation and cooking that kind of thing absolutely um basically uh you know kevin what i did um is I pre-seasoned it the night before. And, you know, you can use whatever seasonings that you want to, but I wanted to make sure that I had a really, really beautiful color on it. So I added a little paprika, paprika, which gives it that beautiful red color in Mm -hmm. there. Uh, And just, you know, there's salt, there's pepper. And I just simply took the skin and brushed on a little bit of olive oil before I added in those seasonings to create an adhesiveness between the skin and the season itself. And it just, it's just, the color is rich and really pretty, great presentation. And and again, would be, make a great uh, dinner uh, for the wintertime. It's, 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 it's a warm, uh, kind of a comfort food feel to it. Uh, and it was really, I'd like to say the, the rice uh, dressing was absolutely delicious and loved the way uh, the, uh, the, the fruit added a little bit of, of taste as well. Uh, we need to take our first break. Uh, today we're looking at a holiday party menu. From the finger foods to the sweet treats, we're looking for you. Maybe share a recipe with us this morning or give us a call and let us know what you like to eat during holiday parties. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show food at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we'll share a can't-miss recipe for a top party food you'll see at many holiday parties this season. So stay tuned.
Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. If you want to join in on our holiday food conversation this morning and share some of your favorite holiday recipes, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or email the show food at mpbonline.org. Want to mention that simple holiday recipe that we mentioned before the break and got a couple other things to get to, but I would like to take what I always call executive privilege, and that is ask a question uh, being the host of the show. Um, I bought some uh, skinless, boneless chicken breasts at the grocery store yesterday, and I'm wondering if there's some sort of equivalent to butterflying a breast to make it, what I wanted to do with the, and I said breast, I meant thigh, I bought some chicken thighs. <clears throat> I wanted to kind of flatten it out so it cooks maybe a little bit quicker and easier. Um, and so is there an equivalent of butterflying a thigh? Absolutely, Kevin. You have two choices. You can actually put that thigh into, depending on what you know, style of uh, you know meal that you want to prepare, but you can put it in a, a plastic uh, bag a Ziploc bag and take a small hammer or spoon and just kind of pound it out. Uh, it works really well for frying if you want to do uh, a country fried steak, a chicken steak kind mm-hmm. of deal. Or you can just simply take your knife and butterfly it, you know, do on the center, just like you would that beautiful chicken breast to open it up so that it'll fold open. And that way, you know, you, whether you're grilling it or frying it or baking it, you have this beautiful open piece of of chicken. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. So before the break, we mentioned we would talk about uh, a simple recipe for a holiday party, and it's one of my favorite things to see uh, when I go to a holiday party, and that is a crock pot full of <laughs> meatballs. Kevin, look, meatballs has got to be one of those most addicting holiday bites. And we see them everywhere from, you know, weddings to, you know, memorial services. But especially during the holiday parties, you're going to always see, you know, different versions of uh, meatballs. And the wonderful thing about it is you can use, you know, a variety of meats, whether you're going to use your ground beef or you can use uh, some lamb or some ground chicken, ground turkey to make these wonderful bites. And a really quick recipe, you would just want to take a, a pound of whichever meat that you choose. A ground beef is usually the traditional. I like to always, when I have the ground beef or any other meat that I'm using, to also uh, ground up some sausage to give it that extra really wonderful bite. You want to take one egg, Kevin, and you want to take that egg and you want to whisk it really well, about two teaspoons of water. You can use a a half a cup of breadcrumbs or oatmeal, Kevin. And I really like uh, the oatmeal because it adds a little bit of extra moisture, you know, opposed to drying those meatballs out. You want to take about three tablespoons of minced uh, onions. Uh, Also, you want to add a little bit of garlic and some green onions, you know, for that extra flavor to your meatballs. And so then you have about uh, eight ounces of a canned jelly. Um, You know, it could be a a grape jelly or a cranberry uh, sauce, Um, a little bit of chili sauce, about uh, three-fourths cup of that, about one tablespoon of brown sugar, and uh, it and it can be an option about one and a one uh, one half uh, teaspoons of lemon juice, Kevin. And you want to fold that all together in a bowl. Now this is this is a time you know uh, where you can have a little fun and become a kid. And you want to take your hands and just kind of fold it all together like you would you know a meatloaf. And for those you know who may be just a little bit more sensitive, you want to put on a pair of you know nice working gloves, uh, those plastic gloves, so you know that you won't actually get the combine on your hand. You want to go. Ahead 
ahead and preheat that oven to about 350 degrees uh, you know, prior to um, even getting started. So your oven is already warm, Kevin. And I always like to use an ice cream scooper. They uh, come in, uh, mm-hmm. of course, different sizes, but I like to use the smallest one so that you get the consistency of um, your meatball. You want to take a baking sheet, and I always like to use a parchment paper, Kevin. Scoop it out until you scoop them all out. Now, some people like to fry them in a skillet, but at this point for me, I have them on a baking sheet, pop them in the oven, and uh, and they turn out to be these really, really beautiful uh, bites of meatball. And, of course, the, the thing that really is important is what are you going to put these meatballs in now? And so it's creating, um, you know, that fan-favorite sauce. Uh, that you want to use to be able to do that. And the sauce can be many things, Kevin. Some people like to use a simple barbecue sauce. You want to add in a little, you know, brown sugar, some ketchup. You may even, you know, want to add some extra chili sauce to kind of, you know, heighten that. Uh, Some people, Kevin, may even want to use, um, you know, a a white sauce, you know, to kind of give it that a really uh, rich, creamy bite. So it just really depends on what you want to do. You know, I love your idea about the uh, ice cream scoop because, and it's. I think it would also work when you're uh, making maybe cookies or some other baked things because it all. You know, you always want to make sure that they're uniform, and that's my problem. Is whenever I do it by by hand, I'm, I constantly you know, like I'll roll one up and put it, and then the next one I'm like, well, this one's too big, so you're pinching a little bit off this one to put on that one and that kind of thing. But I love the idea of that of the ice cream scoop because I think it is important when you're cooking something like that, to make sure they're all kind of relatively uniform in size. Absolutely. And like you said, whether you are making baking cookies or doing your meatballs, it's just a a really fun tool to have. Uh, And if you've got the kids in the kitchen, of course, it makes it, you know, a little bit easier for them. They like the actual clicking motion back and forth of the ice cream scooper. And I must be a really big kid too, Kevin, because I like, (laughs) like the idea of doing that. And it's really funny because when you're done, you know, people are kind of in awe, like, did you buy that? And I go, no, I made it. So it kind of gives you that, you know, kind of tap your shoulder kind of, you know, because the, the, the visual at the end uh, is always very, very beautiful. Now, I'm not as adventurous sometimes. I really, if to do the meatballs, I would go to Kroger and, and buy the pre-made meatballs. But Well, I mean, that's absolutely okay because, yeah. you know, it saves time. And, um, you know, if you especially during the holidays because everybody's out buying gifts, you're going to, you know, the holiday parties, your office parties. So, you you know, you may want to spend as less time as possible. And, you know, and if you, you know, really want to be adventurous, you want to hire, you know, a at-home chef or cook like myself and, you know, call me and say, you know, you do the heavy lifting and <laughs> you sit back and have your cocoa and enjoy your family. The other thing that's uh, interesting that you mentioned, and the first time I made uh, meatballs for a holiday party, I was surprised, it, you know, it's a jelly. And I thought, well, that's weird. Uh, and it was interesting to see how the jelly sort of cooks down, uh, but it, it it tasted great. And then I, I think the chili sauce though is important because you do want to give it a little bit, you know, maybe to cut down on the sweetness of the jelly or whatever. But yeah. it's amazing how it works. It's just like a, you, you know, you do salt, you do pepper, you do heat, you do sweet, and it creates these really amazing. Uh, 
you know, balance, uh, you know, when you're cooking food. Because if you just use the jelly by itself, you'd end up, you know, with a really sweet meatball. And some people may, you know, like that. You know, I've had, um, I had a friend who did a kind of a maple glaze for the meatballs mm. that was really fantastic. The other thing, too, about doing meatballs, Kevin, is, you know, you get to add, and we were talking about fruit earlier, but you can, this is a great time to, you know, chop up some, you know, dry cranberries or add in a little bit of blue cheese right into your meat mm. mixture to give it that really wonderful pop when you you know when you bite into it oh boy see now that's <laughs> why i that's why you don't go to kroger you get to surprise <laughs> things like the blue cheese in the middle that would be wow that would be a I mean, I really like blue cheese, so if I bit into a meatball and got that, that would be like an oh, unexpected yeah. surprise for yeah. sure. Uh, Sue is on the line, joining us from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Hey, morning. Sue. Good morning. Happy Hello. holidays. You're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten that how to make meatloaf. The last meatloaf I made was just crumbly, but this, I guess you could use that to meatball recipe to make meatloaf, right? Well, absolutely. The, the, the thing is, Sue, is making sure that you have your combine in there, which is going to be your egg and your uh, either bread or oatmeal mixture. Because, again, you're going to take basically the same meat products, whether you're using ground beef or lamb or turkey or whatever it is, and then you want to make sure that you add an egg in. And I found that uh, making sure that I whip that egg before I actually pour it onto my meat mixture because you don't want to get the streaking or clumping and you have to overwork your meat. Uh, so uh, just a tiny bit of water. And in, in the case of meatloaf, I actually like to replace the water with a couple of uh, teaspoons of milk to just add a little bit of uh, extra mo- moisture to the meatloaf. And then, again, you want to go ahead and use some, you know, your green onions, um, some, you know, you can even add some celery into your meatloaf. Anything that you want to add that extra flavor and texture uh, in your meatloaf, you know, your garlic and your onions, uh, and then you want to make sure that you know you have your baking dish and you uh, want to put them after you've created this nice loaf you want to put it in your baking dish and uh, when you're done is adding that really wonderful sauce on top and I like to actually add the ketchup mixture or tomato mixture at the very very end mm-hmm. because what you'll find with a meatloaf is that you you have the uh, residue of the oil, and I want to be able to drain that off before I actually put my brown sugar and tomato paste mixture at the very end. Well, thank, well, thank you. I want to ask you a question. Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, I watched the Great British Baking Show on PBS. Yes, ma'am. And, and it amazes me. They, they made all these fancy holiday desserts, and they measure their flour and sugar in grams. Mm-hmm. And so it always amazes that They'll say, let me... Two chefs cooking together, and they'll say, uh, they'll say, uh, pour me, uh, so, pour me so many grams of flour in the bowl. And they just open up their flour container and just kind of dump it in there. They don't measure anything. And I just wonder, <laughs> how do they, how can they make anything successful without measuring things? It always just amazes me. They don't measure anything. <laughs> well, you know what's funny, Sue? I, I grew up with a grandmother who never measured anything. And, and I have to admit, there are times that I go in the kitchen and I just don't measure it. I think, you know, it's um, after you've been in the kitchen for a while, there's some things that you just kind of, you can kind of eyeball it. And uh, it's that um, one of my friends said, Debra, you always invite your ancestors in the kitchen when you're cooking. So it's just that kind of like it's you connected to what you're doing. You've done it so much. Uh, you can recognize it. But uh, for novice, uh, you know, I always say get a great set of measuring cups and spoons 
uh, because things like baking cakes is a perfect science uh, and you don't want to under or over uh, measure certain items. Uh, so absolutely. Well, I, I like to watch Martha Stewart because she's very meticulous about everything and I, I, I like that. I can't get over them just dumping things. In. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All Thank right. you so Smith, much. I absolutely call. love Martha Stewart as well and B. Smith. And there's a list of other, of course, Rachel Ray and all the great, you know, famous people, but especially during the holidays, uh, B. Smith and Martha Stewart really, uh, you know, they created this niche where uh, whether you're celebrating a party, it's the whole thing. It's not just cooking the meal, but they take you through, you know, planning the dinner party and, you know, doing your uh, table settings and your name recognitions and, and making sure that the environment and the atmosphere is absolutely wonderful because the holidays is never just about food. It's about creating this amazing holiday memory with the Christmas trees and, you know, the mistletoe and the right music and the right kinds of wines and coffees and all of the things that you're going to be serving because you want the energy in your house to be, you know, full of love and happy and upbeat. It's nothing like coming to the a Christmas party and you know the cr- Scrooge is hosting it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's just terrible. Deborah, it's like uh, what Sue was saying with the with the people who don't uh, measure and like you do. It's like almost like an athlete. You got that muscle memory mm. about what you know what goes here and what goes there. Because anytime I go in the kitchen, I have to have all of my measuring cups, <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Uh, well, you know, it's again, it's it really just depends on you know. Uh, you know, how you, what you're cooking and how, you know, used to you are being in the kitchen itself. Uh, you know, my grandmother got up and made biscuits from scratch her whole life. She was married for, you know, almost 70 years. So after 70 years of cooking biscuits, it just, you know, you're, you're right. Your cellular memory is just, it just c- kicks in. Now, what's really funny is, uh, you know, as long as I watched her, I couldn't just go behind her and do that. So you're right. You want to make sure that you have your measuring cups, uh, and even, you know, in um, the most exclusive restaurants, because you want the consistency every time of those meals. You don't want it to be one way on Monday and a different way on Tuesday. So they do use um, the process of measuring and making sure that everything is very precise, because what clients want in a restaurant is the consistency of the meal. A couple things on meatloaf, one of my favorite things to cook. Um, I cook it on, I think it's called the broiler pan that usually comes when you first buy an oven. It's got a grate on top and, an, and an air, uh, something underneath to collect all the uh, the drippings. So that helps keep all the oil and stuff that as it cooks, you know, the, the, the drippings are underneath the, um, the meatloaf. The other thing I found is that uh, spinach. Uh, is a good, uh, it adds a lot of nice color. The one thing I would say, though, when you're working with that frozen spinach is you really do have to do a good job of of, of draining it as much as possible and really squeezing uh, to try to get as much of the, the moisture out of there uh, before you put it in there. But I think it makes a nice little green uh, color uh, to add to your meatloaf. You can add the spinach, uh, Kevin, and a finely, finely chopped um Kale works really well, too, and basically what I'm going to do if I use my kale, I'm just going to blanch it for just a minute uh, just to soften it up just a little bit. But you're absolutely right. If you're going to use something frozen, you want to make sure that uh, you've absorbed as much water. I always say if you're going to do it, if you can, try to use you know, uh, fresh spinach uh, because you don't want you know, the, uh, that very distorted look in your product when you're done, and you don't want 
that liquid from that, uh, you know, frozen product to just kind of ruin the whole texture of your meatloaf. Okay, and before our next break, I never knew these things existed. A slow cooker liner. So something yes. you can put in. So what is it? What it's are, like a plastic liner. Okay. Yeah, and it and it helps, like, uh, you know, so it's uh, it makes it easier. You just put everything in the bag, and then you... So cleanup is a lot easier, Right, and, and, and that's what caught my ear was that <laughs> anything that makes cleanup easier, I'm on board for that. Uh, we need to take another break. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue talking about great holiday party foods. Anna, we're looking for your holiday recipes or holiday party-related questions. Give us a call to join our conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or email the show. Send it to food at mpbonline.org. When we return, we'll talk about those sweet treats that you can find at many holiday parties. Always my favorite, and they got to include chocolate. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome back to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we're talking about your holiday party. Uh, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always go back to our webpage, mpbonline.org slash deepsouthdining, or you can subscribe to a podcast using the MPB Public Media app. When you download that for your smartphone, you're able to listen to all of your favorite Think Radio programs, but on your schedule. Uh, and again, if you want to join our conversation talking about uh, things that you can find at a holiday party, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. On the line, we've got Polly from uh, Covington, Louisiana, I think. Polly, thanks for joining us. Happy holidays, hey. Polly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've been listening, and I heard Sue's question about the great British Bake Off show uh-huh. that she watches on PBS. If you look closely, they are pouring the flour and the sugar and whatever. They're pouring it into a bowl that's on a scale. Oh, oh that's, okay. That's how they're doing it because I don't think anybody could eyeball, you know, <laughs> 40 grams of flour or, you know. So I just wanted to pass that along and, right. and let her know that, that they are measuring it, but they, they're doing it in a different way. They're being very tricky about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Polly, thanks. Thank uh, you so much. Thanks for calling and thanks for uh, uh, listening to the show. We love to hear from all of our listeners uh, and uh, hope everyone out there is enjoying uh, this holiday season that's underway. And I, I think a friend of mine is big on how many days till Christmas. And so uh. to, it's, I think, seven Let's see, seven days, right? Because today's the eighteenth. No, today's the seventeenth. And a pear tree. <laughs> so eight days, eight days until Christmas, a week from tomorrow. So hope everybody has been enjoying their holidays so far, and, and hopefully it has included a holiday party or two. And that's what uh, we're talking about this morning. Um, this is interesting. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, the average person gains seven to ten pounds. Uh, yeah, and they weren't the cook because the cook must have gained at least 20 pounds, Kevin. Yeah, it's it's just uh, one of those times where, you know, we kind of let our guards down. And it's all, you know, you're just bombarded with all of these yummy, yummy treats everywhere you go. You know, there's cookies, there's cakes, there's pies. And, you know, it's an array of food that's, are, you know, presented to you everywhere you go. So the holidays and then sometimes the, the uh, wait too comes, um, Kevin, because people are under a lot of stress. That, you know, they're spending money that they, you know, should not necessarily be spending because we feel like, you know, we need to buy 
everybody a gift. And if I don't get them a gift that costs a certain amount of money, so that causes you, you know, the stress causes you to eat more food than you normally would. People are actually sad during the holidays. So, you know, for me, it is, you know, um, one of the things that we've decided is to, you know, we don't really have to buy gifts. You know, we want to write love letters, get cards, because you've had the whole year to love on somebody. You shouldn't be so stressed out just for this one moment. Learning to make a home crafts is a great thing. Even with food items, you know, you can share, you know, a box of cookies or homemade candy with somebody without, um, you know, overexerting your, your budget. And the reality is the holidays is about, you know, love and care. And if buying me a gift is the only way that you can show me that you love me, Kevin, we are already in trouble. Well, and I agree. I think, and as you said, you know, a homemade something, uh, be it a a craft or something or or some food, or even just sharing an experience together, maybe planning a trip. Uh, I know uh, in my case, uh, my brother is coming in from um, New York City. And we're going to all, all four of the brothers of the family are going to meet for Christmas uh, in my brother's house in Hattiesburg. So, you know, it's something to look forward to. It's, yeah. and again, you, you know, a lot of times in Christmas, you're seeing people you haven't seen during the year, maybe visitors, friends coming in from out of town. So as you're right, instead of maybe stressing too much about the perfect gift, maybe just enjoy the moment and enjoy being with the people that, that, you know, that, that are close to you and important to you. Yeah. I'm amazed at how many people get, you know, upset. You know, it's, um, I, there was a crazy story where somebody really was angry because somebody didn't buy them a gift that was like a couple of thousand dollars. And I was <laughs> like, you would just be mad with me for eternity because, you know, love and the holidays, like you said, is about family. It's about eating great food. It's about laughing and telling wonderful stories and being kind to somebody that's less fortunate than you. Having said all that, any of my friends or family that are out there listening, I still do like it at Christmas. <laughs> and I think we all do. But I think the point is well made that there are some things other than, than gifts that, that you can give to someone during the holiday Especially season. if it's going to stress you out. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we've got another caller on the line continuing our discussion about grams. So we visit with Josh in Jackson. Good morning, Josh. Hey, Josh. Uh, good morning. What I what I wanted to add to the conversation was the lady was talking about the grams, measuring it. Um, my girlfriend, she's actually a baker, and one thing she had taught me about that was it's actually easier to get a consistency when you measure it because if you just convert it like cups to grams, like they make a lot of charts, uh, if you convert it, then every time you measure it out, it's the exact same because you'll know what a cup to gram is. So mm-hmm. it's actually better to actually measure your ingredients than to use just to say a cup. Right. If you were trying, trying to get it more consistent. All right. Uh, Josh, thanks for the call. And, you know, the other thing I'll, I'll say about grams, and I <clears throat> I think I'm correct about this, it's – all right, well, maybe I, – I think it's, it's similar <laughs> to the metric system where it's – it's easier to it's 100 200 I mean I think it's easier than a third of a cup a half a cup it's it would seem to me be easier to work with although you know we're we're stuck with cups and 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 that sort of thing here and I think uh the Americans have never quite warmed to the metric system but there are some advantages that, w- that you absolutely, can say absolutely absolutely and then it's you know one of those things that we ta- we've talked about forever Kevin it's a great way to teach your children basic science and math and even for us as adults is always you know, being able to learn, um, you know. And then when you look at uh, the European style of cooking, you know, they are famous for for baking in a, to a whole nother 
uh, genre. You know, Americans travel to Europe to places like Italy and to England to learn how to make the perfect biscuit or cookie or, you know, to learn how to make the perfect bread and pastas. And so, you know, it's 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 a great way to just stretch and learn. Now, Deborah, I, I do need to blame you for something here, so hear me out. Oh, no. <laughs> um, our script has a bunch of holiday sweets, traditional, and, and number one is one of my favorites. It's the sweet potato pie. However, every time I eat sweet potato pie now, I'm like, well, this is very good, but it's not quite as good as Deborah's. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Did you guys hear the endorsement? Uh, yeah, Kevin, I, I'm I'm really fortunate. You know, we're still working on getting that sweet potato pie to market, you know, and I, I'm, I'm excited that because what we want to do is, you know, to enter it as a Mississippi brand. But it's really a fantastic recipe. And I really like to thank my mom for sharing it with me. <laughs> and and every time she says, you better not share that with anybody. But, you know, it's it's just one of the things I love doing the holidays. Sugar cookies is another one. You can have a lot of fun with that. You can get different uh, cookie, you know, shapes, <clears throat> excuse me, that sort of thing. You can add in, maybe dip them in chocolate, add icing. Uh, but it's really a sugar cookie to me is really a good base to build off of for, for holiday treats? Well, you know, Kevin, the, the, for me, one of the, the tricks that I do, because, you know, and hey, Dixie Grime, if you're listening today, she's in Oxford, Mississippi, doing the holiday. Dixie's table is full of all these amazing cookies. For, for me, I don't want to make five or six different types of cookie dough, so I make a base cookie dough, and I'll divide it into a couple of different bowls, and then I'll add additional ingredients to create different flavors and textures for my cookie. But you're absolutely right. Sugar cookies are just one of those things that we love, you know, during the holidays, and, you know, we want to decorate them and make them, you know, really beautiful, where there are Christmas trees and stars and Santas and mangers and all the wonderful things that we do. But to take a basic cookie dough, Kevin... And, uh, you know, you may want to actually use the first portion, you know, for sugar cookies. And then the next portion you may want to, you know, uh, do a, a coconut cookie or a chocolate chip cookie until you get all the cookies that you want without having to make several different uh, doughs uh, from scratch. Always good to, uh, you know, save yourself some some time and effort in the kitchen and still get some stuff that fo- folks will be uh, talking about and enjoying. Got a couple of calls to get to. Let's uh, begin again. Kathleen's on the line from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Happy holidays. I was, I was okay. You just stole my tip, Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's true. I was going to talk about that. But when you when you start out, say, in your pantry or you're just deciding to do different kinds of cooking or styles, Try to go seasonal. Like right now, in all the stores, you've got all the cake mixes and the spices. and the, Get what you need while it's inexpensive and available. And start your little pantry. You can do that with the sweet stuff. Like you said, with the cookies, you can have, like, cherries. Uh, you might have uh, different little things like nuts or raisins or uh, cocoa powder. You can put on a cookie, coconut. So you can get ahead of yourself, and when you cook, especially during the winter, try to cook, I hate to say, a lot. Because if you're cooking in the oven or on top of the stove, it warms your kitchen, so you've got the warmth. You come out with the food, so you're doing good with the food, and you've got food for your freezer. So 
I cook a lot during the winter, put it up, so when it hits summertime and I don't want to heat up the kitchen, there you go. <laughs> it is absolutely trying to find ways constantly to save time and energy, you know, throughout the day because, again, most people are super busy, and those tips that you always share with us, Kathleen, are always worthy for saving time. All right, Kathleen, always good to hear from you and hope you have a good holiday season. Uh, Let's take a final break this hour. When we get back, we will continue our discussion about the holiday party menu. And as we finish up the show, we'll share some punch recipes that you might uh, try at your next holiday party. Also, during the break, we can want you to guess what food is celebrating its national day today. We'll have the answer after the break. We've got Craig on the line as well, so stay tuned. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today we're talking about meals or food that you might find during a holiday party. We've talked about the the main items, some of the uh, desserts. We're going to talk in just a few minutes about maybe some punch that you could serve. Uh, but we do want to mention that uh, the national food that or the food that's celebrating its national day today is maple syrup. So today is National Maple Syrup Day. Oh, and it's one of my favorite syrups too, Kevin. And of course, we, you know, you, we all know that maple syrup can get rather expensive. But it's just absolutely delicious. Yeah, I had some, uh, I think my parents uh, went to Vermont several years ago and, and sent me some uh, maple syrup. And that's, you know, that's the thing is, I mean, I like the the syrup you get from the grocery store. But when you get real maple syrup, it's one yeah. of those where you can definitely tell the difference. And just as a quick aside, that new Kentucky Fried Chicken commercial with the colonel dancing with Mrs. Buttersworth <laughs> is uh, kind of funny to me. <laughs> I mean, he picks her up and twirls her around and everything, so I thought that was... Oh, Kevin, everybody has a love life except us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's bad when the colonel gets a date. (laughs) All righty. Back to the phones we go, beginning again in Biloxi. Craig's on the line. Good morning, Craig. Hey, Craig. (laughs) Hey, good morning. Yeah, I wanted to give a tip and a uh, recipe concept. I don't have the recipe in front of me, but on, on iron skillets, I heard you talking about iron skillets. And I'm always in the market for an iron skillet, and I, I've seen them in the stores that are very rough. You could use them as a file. <laughs> uh, so, and if you're looking for a used one, if you bang it, it will ring. Uh, same with plates. If, if, like, like the Liber- think the Liberty Bell. If it has a crack, it's not going to ring. Aha. Uh-huh. Interesting. That's a good tip. Yeah. Okay. And for my recipe, I do stuffing. I got tired of looking for dried breadcrumbs, and I like whole wheat. And I finally half the liquid in half uh, for a stuffing recipe and uh, use fresh bread and cubed up, and it worked just fine. All right. Absolutely. All right, uh, Craig, good to hear from you. Thanks for the call, and and happy holidays to you. Uh, Let's stay on the line. Next, we've got uh, Bill on the line from Greenwood. Good morning, hey, Bill. Bill. Hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, my mama used to do a lot of baking, and she had, uh, you know, fruitcake and uh, gingerbread men, and then she would have the mince pies. But she used to have something else that was really good. Uh, it was called ambrosia. And mm-hmm. buy it in a jar sometimes, but most of the time she made it herself. But I haven't seen it for like 20 years. You ever heard of ambrosia? 
I have heard of Ambrosia. Uh, I think actually this time last year for Christmas, you know, we had a, a really wonderful conversation about Ambrosia. But you're right. It's not something that I actually see on uh, the market shelves um, anymore. But it's one of those really wonderful things um, I think that every holiday should have. Uh, How do you make it? Do you know? What, what is it? I don't even remember. I just remember eating it. <laughs> it's uh, a fruit salad, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Fruit salad? Uh-huh. I, Bill, I bet you if you uh, if you Googled it, you might be able to find a recipe. And, you know, to me, that's a real southern uh, holiday thing. Uh, my sister-in-law's mother used to make it, and I think she would serve it uh, when our Thanksgiving uh, dinner. But uh, hers had coconut in it, um, oranges. Pineapple, yeah, yes. just as it's much. Apples. It's yeah. just a really, really wonderful, wonderful bite for the holidays. Well, that's the only thing I remember, and it was coconut. I, yep. I didn't know anything. Well, thank you so much, Jim. All right, Bill. Good, <laughs> good to hear from you. And again, hope you have a happy holiday season as well. All right. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got uh, we've got the sweets out of the way. We talked about the meatballs and some of the main, you know, uh, entree type items uh, at a at a, a holiday party. But we we need something to drink. Uh, do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> That would that's the frazzled chef in the kitchen is the one that needs something to drink. Right. Uh, but uh maybe some ideas for a holiday punch. One thing I like is grenadine. Because oh, yeah. uh it really does add a beautiful the red color, color to it. Yeah. But be very careful with it because it's it's very, very sweet. Uh and it's certainly something that you would not like drink directly from the bottle, that's for sure. So you know, you, you mentioned your grenadine, Kevin, but to to take a uh, about a half a cup of your grenadine and you wanna take about three cups of um, pineapple juice, you wanna take one cup of orange juice, and you can use a sprite or a Canada dry mm-hmm. right into the mixture, Kevin, and go ahead and add some fresh fruit in there, some grapes and some pineapples. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful punch. It's really fizzy. Uh, you can also take that same grenadine, Kevin, uh, and just use um, the orange juice to to level it out. And then add in some crushed peppermints and some ice oh, wow. and a little bit of mint. It's just a wonderful punch to have during the holidays. The color is beautiful. The texture is beautiful. It's just so many wonderful, creative things that you can do. Uh, and, you know, whether you're serving something hot, like a seasonal tea, uh, you know, with a lot of cinnamon, and you can go ahead and add your peppermints and a little nutmeg, you know, for the extra texture. Just is you you want to be able to smell the fragrances. Today, Ezra made some tea, I believe, in the hallway, and everybody's senses just got really excited. And you really want that moment when you're making. Um, you know, those wonderful holiday punches and teas. And, of course, it's a great time to add flavor to your coffees uh, and, you know, make a wonderful pot of cocoa. It's just it's just fabulous, Kevin. Uh, hot apple cider is one of my favorite yes. things uh, with this time of year that's just very delicious. Um, and and one, one trick I have uh, seen for punch, um, is, especially if it is at an office party or a holiday party, you want to make sure it's going to be sitting there for a while, so you want to maybe make sure that it stays cold. So what I've learned to do is make me take a jello mold or something and put some orange slices or maybe some uh, lemon slices in there and uh, fill it up with water and then freeze it and it's a giant ice block so it'll mm-hmm. keep the punch uh, cold. You could actually I think maybe even do it with 
ginger ale so that it doesn't dilute the punch that much. But then as it melts, you know, it's adding the ginger ale to the punch, but also you've got those nice uh, slices of fruit in the middle of it too. So that adds a little bit of, uh, of, the, of the appearance to it, but also helps uh, keep the punch cold. So that would be one of Kathleen's, you know, tricks, something that she shared with us, opposed to just using water in your ice trays. You want to go ahead and, and pour your favorite soda or some orange juice or some pineapple juice and create your ice cubes to add it to your punch. Again, the other thing to do is uh, to uh, create a um, a ice bath, not actually put the ice in the punch itself, mm-hmm. and um, add your salt your um, your salt to your ice so that it'll keep the ice longer and then it'll keep the punch again from being diluted so quickly. All right, so we've got about a minute left, and we have a minute to talk about the poor. Um, the poor fruitcake, because it gets a lot of abuse this time of year. Um, and I guess this is Do one of those... Do you like fruitcake, Kevin? Uh, fr- fresh fruitcake that someone bakes? Yes. The stuff that you know that you get in a wrapper that people say you can use for a doorstop and that sort of thing. <laughs> Not so much. But, I mean, I think uh, if... If you find a recipe for fruitcake and make it, you know, make it yourself and serve it fresh, I think that people would enjoy that. But fruitcake certainly gets a bad rap for Christmas time, I think. What What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, I think uh, creating a fresh baked product yourself is, is something that people would enjoy. You know, I don't want – that's definitely not a gift, I think, you know, that I would like to give to somebody for the holidays. If I'm going to do that, you're right. I want to make a, a fresh cake. And it's really, you know, and you can do that. Just, you know, to take a cake and add the fruit that you want in. And a, and a, to, to really cheat, just simply take a pound cake recipe and add in because pound cake is dense enough. Mm-hmm. And then you still have that, you know, that really soft bite of cake. And then you can add in your raisins, your, you know, your cranberries, your pineapples, whatever it is, and just cheat and make a wonderful uh, fruitcake. Or if you want to have fun and with your family, get one of those fruitcakes that nobody likes, and every year someone give it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mean Santa. <laughs> Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, who was our call screener as well today. So for Deborah Hunter, I'm Kevin Farrell, asking you to stay tuned because up next it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, and he has a special guest in studio this morning. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.